0: Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa, a spiritual community that promotes global transformation through personal transformation. At the center, we are motivated by a compelling vision of a healthy, loving world, which we call the Global Heart Vision. This vision inspires us to bring the gifts of compassion and loving kindness to the world through our ministries and teaching. What you are about to hear is a recording of a message delivered at the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. Feel welcomed. Feel at home. Good morning. I lost track of where we were in the service. <laughs> this is the place, right? Okay. Well, it's interesting because I told Christopher that I wanted to speak about that place in us, which is still and one and as i gave the talk i began as i prepared the talk i began to find that i'm actually talking about our experience of two i've recently taught a class on what are called non-dual teachings teachings that do not work with duality you and me etc that really don't work with two yet all of these teachings and they exist in Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, everywhere, they seem to say one thing. They seem to say that there are two levels of mind that we experience. Each one of us has the mind of human affairs, ideas, identity, the mind you call yourself the one that was born, the one that dies. That's the human mind. That's one mind. And the other mind, another part of one mind, is the one mind itself, within which that human mind lives. And that one mind is the mind that we all share. It is the mind that includes everything that is and everything that we are including the human mind. William James said this beautifully when he said, we are like islands in the ocean, separated on the surface, but joined in the deep. That's what's going on in this room right now. You're hearing a talk from me at the level of human mind perhaps but the one mind is always the basis and the really only the thing the only thing going on the relationship between the two i think is problematic for us because we're so identified with this mind the mind that thinks as i said that it was born that it will die that lives as our identity it's the one we've been claiming for so long. But the American writer and philosopher, Henry David Thoreau, taught about these two levels of mind. He spoke of the first level, the one I just called human, that is the world that lives in us, the mind that lives in us, that is, lives in time. It's bounded by time. It does things, they come and they go. And then there is the one mind, there is the big mind, as I'll begin to call it, which is eternal. And they both live simultaneously in us. One arises from the other, but they're, all, they're both active in us. So to get a sense of our relationship to it, I'd like you to do a little visualization with me. So imagine yourself sitting by a stream. And you can see the ripples of water as they go by as it goes by, rippling in the sun. There's the sound of the stream flowing over rocks. And then you can trail your hand in the water and you can feel it flow by. Now, imagine yourself taking a drink from the stream. And this is how Thoreau described that moment. Time is but the stream I go fishing in. I drink at it, but while I drink, I see the sandy bottom and detect how shallow it is. Its thin current Slides away, but eternity remains. The stream of thoughts that you know as your mind, your human mind, flows like the water in the stream. And this is the wonderful truth. As it flows by, you can see through time to the stream bed to eternity. It's right there. It's right here, always. But you have to look for it. You have to do something to take yourself out of this human mind level. So let me switch to Buddhism. As many of you know, I have a Buddhist background and have learned so much from my teacher Suzuki Roshi. And he talked to us about these two levels of mind. And he called them simply enough, big mind and small mind. And within us, there is this small mind and its worlds of comparison and judgment. And then there's the big mind, which includes everything, including the activity of the small mind. Suzuki Roshi spoke of it this way. If your mind is related to something outside itself, that mind is a small mind, a limited mind. If your mind is not related to anything else, then there is no dualistic understanding in the activity of your mind. You understand all activity as just waves in the activity of mind. Big mind experiences everything within itself. Do you understand the difference between the two minds? The mind which includes everything and the mind which is always comparing itself to something that is seemingly outside. Actually, they're the same mind. But the understanding is different. And your attitude towards life will be different according to which understanding you have. When you understand yourself and your world as an activity of this same big mind, then you can feel your connection To every person, as I described in the image of the islands separated on the surface, joined in the deep. Right now, we are joined in the deep, all of us in this room. The big mind is the one mind, the one that Chris has been singing about, that the band has been playing. We call it spirit or God or Buddha. It has everything you seek. It has happiness, and that which leads beyond happiness into equilibrium, into being undisturbed and unperturbed, steady and solid. It's always already here. It's here right now in this room. But we don't see it. Because most of our attention is captured, trapped by our thoughts and opinions. They only allow us to see what the thoughts and opinions say is real. When I heard the title of this talk, if you're happy and you know it, I said, oh my gosh, I have to apologize to everybody for putting a, some people call it an earworm, Some of us will be singing that song, if you're happy and you know it, the rest of the day. I'm sorry to do that. But it's very important to know about that. Because that is how small mind works all the time. It mindlessly repeats some meaningless tune or information that you heard or thought that you had over and over again making something feel meaningful meaningful, just because it's been said so many times this you may realize has become a political tactic you just repeat it over and over again and then it begins to feel true that's how small mind works in us It just repeats over and over again, mindlessly. That is, it doesn't do it with any intention or plan. It just does it. And you begin to think, this is really true. It must be true because it keeps on repeating itself. There's an old phrase, I don't know how many people know it, but at one time the uh, nation of France was really divided over a political issue. I won't go into that. But one of the phrases that came up was, 10 million Frenchmen can't be wrong. (laughs) We live in such a culture today. 10 million people can't be wrong. There must be something going on there, but there isn't. Small mind is just humming that tune over and over Some of the signs that small mind is working in us, you can see in bumper stickers. This is one of my favorites. Actually, they're all my favorites. There's only two. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And then there's another bumper sticker that goes around, which is very interesting. It's like this. Don't blame me. I voted for... That kind of uh, one side or the other is what small mind does. Books are written about, of all things, toxic positivity. That's a current topic that's coming up in a big way. And at the same time, books are written that say, you can't afford the luxury of a single thought. Negative thought, excuse me. You can't afford the luxury of a single negative thought. These are, these, uh, shall I say, just opposites. And small mind works in opposites. It's either in confusion or in antithesis. Ideas fighting each other. So to know what mind you're working from at any time, ask yourself, is my universe friendly? Do I feel at home in it? The fact is, it is friendly, and you're always at home, but we don't see it. Instead, most of the time, we we spend uh, fighting off the universe preparing to defend ourselves from what it might do because it's against us or at the very least indifferent and doesn't know how it affects us. All our efforts in the present and the small mind are used to defend against this outside world, the universe, that could attack at any time. Unpredictable. And so we spend all our efforts now to defend against a future that hasn't happened or a past that never quite happened. Eckhart Tolle had a wonderful little phrase that I have been using lately. Stress is a focus on the next moment. When you're stressing out, you're not. You're working with some other time. Your world, your being, your awareness of what you are is available to you if you open your mind to the big mind. You access it by awareness, by attention, and attunement. Let's talk about awareness. Sometimes you may think that uh, you're not really capable. The small mind will tell you this. You're not capable of knowing truth or knowing these differences. In fact, it's considered wise and humble and virtuous to uh, accuse yourself of being foolish and ignorant. You can no longer do that because that's the small mind you're talking about and its fears. It isn't even that way. But the idea that I'm just him and I'm foolish and ignorant and therefore I can't really do anything that uh, makes any difference. Stop accusing yourself. Stop doubting your experience and perception. The more the more you give your understanding, the way you know things, the more you give it a foundation, the more you allow it to be so, the more delight you have because you're no longer putting yourself down continuously for not knowing it all. And along with that, you can attune to it, attune to this big mind. Use your attention to see that stream bed, to see that spirit is actively in you right now and that the thoughts and feelings are moving through it. Emma Curtis Hopkins, one of our teachers in this movement, said, the musician thinks she is skilled at the piano just because she practices hard. Not so. It is because she has in some moment been touched by a spiritual feeling or ideal that moved her. And it has come forth so far as to lead her to be willing to practice to give it more freedom. We've all been touched by spirit, either in music, beauty, an infinite number of ways, and we each know it when it's so. Are you willing to practice to give more freedom to your big mind? One of the ways you can give that freedom is through Uh, learning spiritual practices which are in line with, which are uh, in tune with mind. You have to look for it. As I've said, you have to look for big mind. And it brought to mind when I was writing this part of the talk a phrase in the Bible that Mary is quoted as saying. Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, My soul doth magnify the Lord kind of antique or antiquated phrase, but your soul right now is continually seeking out to know more and more of God, to know more and more of it. It's something you're always seeking and which you can consciously practice and amplify. Is it possible To improve the small mind? Yes. In fact, now we go into the uh, neurocognitive uh, part of the talk. You can rewire your brain. And by that, now I'm talking about small mind, because when I say brain, it typically thinks it's small mind there is a researcher, very now well-known New York Times bestseller on TED Talks, etc. His name is Sean Aker, but it's, the name is actually anchor without the N. Okay, Aker. And this is what he found doing research, leading a research team at Harvard. He found that working with the practices I'm about to show you, that there are measured results. The People who did this, did uh, their productivity rose by 31%, their sales increased by 37%, the likelihood of promotion rises by 40%, and in medicine, doctors are 19% faster, more accurate at coming up with with the correct diagnosis. The techniques that gave these results are so simple that a sixth grader can do them. And if you do these, your brain is actually rewired so that it no longer takes the disposition of being against or confused or whatever, but it's rewired so that you can work more optimistically and produce more results, if you will. Here's the magic formula do each of these practices 21 days in a row and do any one of them no more than two minutes. Two minutes a day, 21 days for each of these practices except for one, which you'll see. So the first one you'll understand right away. We talk about it all the time. Every day, spend two minutes a day, no more than two minutes, and write down three new things that you're grateful for. What you're doing is you're training your small mind brain to scan for positives instead of threats. It's the fastest way to teach optimism. Secondly, this one you'd know too, is exercise. Now, this one is more than two minutes, it's 15 minutes of cardio exercise, but really, it just means move for 15 minutes. Uh, acre shows that their research said it's the equivalent of taking an antidepressant when you do this. And um, it lasts uh, much longer and it has a 30% lower relapse rate. Why is exercise valuable? It trains your mind to believe my behavior matters. And another thing, now this one you'll recognize too, Every day, for two minutes, stop what you're doing, hands off the laptop. Now breathe, and watch your breath go in and out for two minutes. Two minutes. Do this brief meditation every day. It allows your brain to focus on one thing at a time. It improves accuracy, happiness, stress. So, those I think we understand meditation, exercise, and gratitude. But here's the fourth one take a positive experience you had in that day, and for two minutes, write in detail about it. It should be within the last 24 hours. And when you do this, this allows your brain to relive it and amplify it and teaches your brain that you are seeing and feeling things that you would not have noticed unless you brought it to mind again. And finally, and this, by the way, is the most effective, they say, express kindness, but in a very specific way. Write a text or an email for two minutes only to someone to praise them or thank them. Whatever you decide, you're going to send it and do it for a different person every day. Text or email someone, praise or thank them. It's the greatest predictor of long term happiness. By doing these activities to train your brain, you release dopamine and all that stuff. But in fact, it rewires the brain, and that's observable in brain scans. We typically think that in order to feel good about ourselves, we need to have something to feel good about. But actually, these studies show that if you feel good about something, then you will have something to to feel good about. Because you'll be more inclined to do it, and you'll certainly see see it. So instead of waiting for yourself to become happy or to feel good to do something, instead, just do it and feel its results. William James, that I quoted earlier, has a wonderful quote. He says, you do not sing because you are happy. You are happy because you sing. Stop waiting for happiness to overtake you and cause you to be a success. Begin to act like a success and you will discover its happiness. Now, how to get yourself to do all this? this is part of the study so i want to pass it on so the problems says uh sean Aker. he says you've got to learn how to get through the first 20 seconds to start an activity typically you sit down in a chair uh, reach for i don't know who does this but i hear that it says here and you reach for the remote and you watch tv so what his strategy was, he removed the remote to another room. <laughs> and then he put work that he wanted to do besides TV, nearby. Closer than the remote. Uh, a, a book to read, a friend's phone numbers, a guitar to play. What could you learn if you changed your TV viewing habits? Think about how to make it three to 20 seconds easier to start. You want something readily at hand available to do something else than just falling into that routine pattern. These are practical spiritual practices which allow happiness to have a prominent place in your small mind so that you can know and attuned to what's always happening, the big mind. Just try one of these exercises, the researchers say. Commit to one, and then do more as you feel. So with these practical instructions, and the awareness of who it is that is alive now in each of us, small and big mind, I ask you to acknowledge the truth that it is, all of it, divine. And let us pray together. There is right now in this room one mind listening in each person here. It is the same mind. It is right now knowing and feeling its being As each one, all of it is present always. So I speak this word in that awareness and I accept that there is right now something moving which is changing the minds, the brains of each one here so that they now know that there is something infinitely larger living in through and as them in every moment. And I give thanks for this awareness because I know it releases us from prison. It frees us from the trap of identity, of being the small mind and opens us to the magnificent, infinite one mind that we all share. I release this word now with gratitude and allow it to be. And so it is.